0: Well, if you have your Bibles, I want to read a a passage of Scripture that a lot of you might have hanging in your house someplace, Joshua chapter 24, Joshua chapter 24. Um, As we look today, as we celebrate moms, we also want to uh, recognize the power of family, the power of uh, the fight and, and battle for our families in Jesus' name. So we'll read from this passage of Scripture... Uh, But let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, how grateful we are to be here today. Thankful for the opportunity, Lord, uh, for your uh, blessings, for your word, for your promises to be made real to us. Uh, And so thank you, Lord, that we've had the opportunity to say welcome. We just want to be with you. Uh, We just want to hear from your word. We want to grow. We want to become closer to you and walk with you. And may you be glorified above all else in our lives And we give you praise. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. 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 Just to let you know, on the way here, I did get hit in the back of the head with a dart. So that was (laughs) part of the, amen. Joshua chapter 24, I'm going to read two verses of Scripture, verses 14 and 15. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve you the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How many of you have that, that hanging somewhere in your house, that, that, at least that last phrase, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, yeah. Well, as we celebrate Mama's Day today, we, we want to celebrate um, moms that are in the mix. You know, moms that sacrifice their lives for the love of their families. And, and I especially want to honor mothers of faith. I'm not saying that there aren't uh, moms out there that are obviously good moms that may not follow after Christ. But I, I want to honor mo- mothers of faith here today. Who, women who relentlessly protect their homes, especially their children through prayer, through selfless acts of faith. I want to honor women who live by example of what it looks like to be godly and Christ-like. We need more ferocious women of faith who fight for their homes and who will stand against the very gates of hell for the love of their families. And as I said, I also mean we need some faithful grandmas and nanas and aunties and stepmoms and adoptive moms who take up the mantle of showing the reality of Jesus Christ to our world and especially to the next generation. There are some of you ladies here that never became moms, either by choice or by some inability to do so. But every woman has the power of God to impact the next generation by living lives dedicated to Jesus Christ. Every woman has the ability to let their light shine and impact the world with the grace of Jesus Christ. We believe that every woman has a call of God upon their life and that no one should hold them back from fulfilling the purpose that God has placed upon their lives. I wrote down a few quotes here. Some of these are from unknown authors that I thought were kind of cool. Mothers don't sleep. They just worry with their eyes closed. (laughs) Sooner or later, we all quote our mothers. Am I right? No matter how many times you hated hearing it when you were younger, you're now saying it to your kids. Gosh, I've quoted my mom in sermons. i preached an entire sermon just on my mother's quotes. Life doesn't come with a manual. It comes with a mother. Amen. <laughs> Jessica Lang said, the natural state of motherhood is unselfishness. Lance Conrad said, I can imagine no heroism greater than motherhood. Agatha Christie said, a mother's love for her child is like nothing else in the world. It knows no law and no pity. It dares all things and crushes down remorselessly all that stands in its path. If at first you don't succeed, try doing it the way mom told you to do it in the beginning. And finally, and this goes really well at our home, nothing is really lost until your mother can't find it. Amen. I don't know what it is with Logan, but he has 172 coats and we don't know where any of them are. No, no, not a one. We can't even find the one that he wore, that he has on. Where is it? I don't know. What'd you do with it? Did you eat the coat? Where did it go? Y'all have, y'all have kids? Y'all have any kids? How many of you, you find clothes in the oddest of places? Where, how did this get here? Anyway, it drives me nuts to find a pile of clothes in front of the toilet. (laughs) If you're going to leave it in the bathroom floor, don't leave it in front of the toilet. (laughs) Typically, when we think about moms, when we think about good moms, when we think about godly moms, we we think about family, we think about sacrifice, we think about love. But honestly, we, we don't always think about war. But tell me, what is scarier in life than a mom who's coming to the defense of one of her own kids? Is there anything scarier than a woman who thinks you've done something to her child? Little Johnny who makes no mistakes? The fact is, we are in a war for our families. And no matter what the makeup of your home is, there is an assault from hell on your family. The enemy doesn't want marriages to stay together. He doesn't want husbands and wives to live selfishly for each other and serve one another in sacrificial love. He doesn't want our children to grow up knowing God and who they can be in Christ. And the devil knows that if he can derail the family, he can wreak havoc on lives, not only right now, but for future generations. Don't make don't make any mistake about it. Anybody that downplays the importance of family is downplaying the spiritual blocks of an entire nation. Once we destroy a family, once we destroy a home, we destroy the beginnings and the basis and the foundation of what God wants to literally do in our nation and among His people. In my life, my mom has always been a woman of faith. She's prayed over me and prayed for me. She's confessed words of life to me and always encouraged me in my pursuits. She was always my biggest fan, my staunchest defender. Her life of faith has left a powerful lasting mark on my life that will follow me for as long as I live. I'm grateful today that I have a wife who is a mother of our children that loves Jesus and makes Christ a priority in their lives. That lives a godly life in front of them so that they know what it looks like to be a person of faith. We cannot underestimate the influence that we have just by the life that we live in front of those whom God has given responsibility to us for. We don't, can't underestimate how our attitudes, our words, our love, our prayer, our standing in the gap, our filling up the hedge, our making the stand for our kids and what it does for them. Some of you may have never had a mom like that, maybe you had a mother that wasn't there for you. Maybe you had a mother that passed away when you were younger. Maybe you had a a mother who checked out on you or abandoned you. I know that that unfortunately happens in the world that we live in. The more and more that we see addiction ravaging our nation and especially our state, we recognize that many times moms have dropped out of the picture. And so maybe you've had a mother that even put her own dreams or maybe put her own desires ahead of her family or ahead of her children, or her marriage. But you are aware of that can change. It doesn't matter, honestly, what your background is. It matters what you have decided to do with what God has given you now. Every one of us here today probably can look back at certain elements of our past and wish that they didn't happen. And I, honestly, it's easier for me to say because I was raised in a, in a home that loved Jesus. I was raised in a home where they, they put their kids first. So we, I was raised in a home, as I said last week, we went to church. My mom has always been involved in my life. So it's easy maybe for me to say that, and some of you may have some hurts that go pretty deep because of relationships that you have with moms or dads, and I understand that. But the change can happen with you. The change can happen with you. You can make the choice. You can make the choice to be a mother who puts her family and children first. A woman who shows her kids what it means to be a godly wife by selflessly loving your husband. A woman who shows her kids what it means to be godly men and women in a perverse world by living a life of righteousness and integrity. A woman who changes the world simply by making sure that Jesus comes first in her home. A woman who understands that there is a war going on for the heart of our homes and for the lives of our children. And it should begin there. And again, just because today you may not have any kids does not mean that it is not also your responsibility to impact the next generation. To impact those whom God has allowed you to influence through the love and the life that you live as a faithful man or woman of God. Joshua understood the importance of family and godly parents. In this chapter, in chapter 24, Joshua is coming to the end of his life. And when we take a look at the life of Joshua, he's an extraordinary man. I mean, when you think about it, Joshua had to fill the shoes of one of, if not the greatest character in the Old Testament. Aside from Abraham, the father of our faith, Moses, above all, was a man full of faith, a man who walked in miracles, a man who saw... Some of, if not the most miraculous signs that any other person in the Old Testament saw. How many of you meant that Moses was a bad, bad man? I mean, this guy stood before basically the God of the world, Pharaoh, and said, let my people go. Fearlessly and did not care. Moses, let God's people go. You should read that story again and all of the deals that, that Pharaoh tries to make with Moses. All right, Moses, you can go. But just take the men and go out into the wilderness, but leave the women and children. Moses said, no, 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 no. No, we're taking the whole family. After so many, they're like, all right, right, take, take, take the, take your families out there, take a few cattle, but you got to leave all the other cattle and sheep behind. And I love that phrase. Moses says, not one hoof, not one hoof will be left in Egypt. Not one. We will not compromise with you, Pharaoh. Either let us all go or feel the wrath. And he felt the wrath. Moses was a bad, bad man. And Joshua had to fill his shoes. I mean, can you imagine that? You're taking over for Moses. Everybody's looking at Joshua and like, "Who's this young Buck? He's probably like 80 years old at the time. Who's this young guy Taking over. But the book of Joshua is, is, a, is a story of conquest, it's a story of blood, it's a, a, a story of the, of the nation of Israel moving in and taking over the promised land. So he was a, a warrior, he led the nation of Israel into the promised land, he had seen his fair share of battles, he had his scars, he had, he had all of his battle stories that he had been through and now he calls the leaders of Israel together for one final message, this is it. I have something to say to all the leaders of Israel. And he begins by sounding a call for the people to renewal through reminding them of the blessings of God upon their lives. Starting in verse 1 down to about verse 13 or so, he kind of rehearses what God has done in their lives. He, he begins uh, talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He talks about Moses. He talks about them being delivered from Egypt. He then rehearses the victories that they've had over the enemies in taking the land that was theirs. So he reminds them of what God has done for them. And then he challenges them to put away false gods and remain faithful to the Lord. And it's in the middle of this that we read this passage of Scripture that he, he challenges them to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, and as I was reading this passage of scripture, and I was thinking about it, Joshua, the warrior, the battle—he had a sword that probably may have still had blood stains on it. He had scars from the battles that he had been in, memories of all of the wonders of what God had done, and how God had led them, and God had been faithful to them, and God had shown them through and blessed them with every blessing that they could imagine. But it's almost as though Joshua was saying, "I know we've been through a lot." We fought a lot of battles, and we faced a lot of enemies. But if we lose the war for our homes, it was all for nothing. If we lose the war for our homes, if we lose our families, God has brought us into the land flowing with milk and honey. But if we lose our families, we've lost the battle. Joshua made a decision. He made a choice and I believe that the, the same challenge has been given to us today. Will we choose to serve God and fight for our homes? Amen. Now, let me say this. Our, as parents, our job is to teach our kids what it means to follow Jesus. But they, too, have to make their own choice. I understand that. And unfortunately, sometimes they decide not to. We can love our kids, but we can't save them. We can love our kids, but we can't save them. So it's it's not our responsibility to save our kids. It's our responsibility to pour life into them, to pour hope into them, to pour gospel into them, to pour Jesus into them, to fight the enemy off, to plead the blood of Christ upon them, to lay our hands upon them and speak blessing upon their lives. That is our responsibility. To live godly, righteous, faithful lives. But there comes a time where everyone has to make the choice. What choices can we make to plant the seeds that God can use to work in the lives of our families? What choices can we do? What can we do to impact those whom God has given us responsibility to? Number one, we choose to be grace-based. In verses 11 through 13 that we didn't read, Joshua says, And you went over Jordan and came unto Jericho. And the men of Jericho fight against you, the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Girgashites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and the Termites. And I delivered them into your hand. (laughs) And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword, nor with thy bow. And I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you built not, and you dwell in them of the vineyards and olive yards which you planted not, do you eat. What is Joshua reminding them of? That everything that they had was because of the blessing and the grace of God. He said, you didn't drive them out, I did that. It wasn't your sword, it was my sword. It's not even your olive trees. It's not even your grapevines. It's it's not even your land. It's not even the cities you built. I gave it to you. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Every good thing in our life is a result of a good God. He reminded them, remember how you got here. You got here by God's grace. You got here because of God's mercy. You got here because of God's blessings. Sure, we had, they had to do something. They had to pick up the sword. They had to obey. They had to hear the voice of the Lord. Yes, there's always our responsibility, but always remember, it begins and ends with the favor and the grace of God. You are saved by grace, and you will make it to heaven because of grace. Joshua knew that once the people started taking credit for their own successes, then they would turn away from God altogether. It's also one of the reasons why he reminded them of how they got here. Don't you forget where you came from. Don't forget who you used to be and who Jesus has now made you. Don't forget where you came from. We should be this way in our homes, remind each other, rehearse to our children, the grace of God for us and for his blessings upon our lives, the things that he has done for you as we pray over our kids and with our kids, we remind them that God is a God who takes care of us That it is God who provides for us. It is God who watches over us. We need to rehearse and remind ourselves, remind your children that it is because you trust in God. That he sees us through. Remind them of God's forgiveness. Remind them of God's mercy. And then extend that same grace to each other. Man, home can sometimes be the place of the least amount of grace. And it's because we know each other. I've seen your mess. Right? I know your attitude. I've heard the words that you've spoken. I remember what you said. It's a hard, sometimes that's the hardest place in the world to extend grace. But if we remind ourselves of God's forgiveness and God's mercy, then we can extend that grace to the ones who mean the most to us. How do we do, do that? We forgive quickly and completely. We forgive quickly and completely. See, a lot of us, many times, we, we, we think that because we're not talking about it, that it's over, Right? but we need to forgive quickly and completely. How do we extend grace? We allow for mistakes, even as you pursue righteousness and holiness. We stay humble. We apologize. We admit when we are wrong. And then we point our family back to the cross where God's grace is poured out. We have to be grace-based people. God has brought us to where we are because of His grace, because of His forgiveness, for, because of His mercy. And if we're going to fight off the lies of the enemy that are trying to destroy our families and destroy our children, then we have to show grace. We have to show grace. The world always already beats people down. We should be able to come home and be lifted up. Number two, choose To honor God. So we're choosing to be a grace-based place. And then we're choosing to honor God. In verse 14, Joshua said, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth. Down in verse 23, he says, Now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. It is our responsibility to learn to fear God and then to teach that to the next generation. To live a life of devotion and love for God that is seen in everything that we do. Gosh, there has to come a time, Christians, where we act like Christians. (laughs) There has to come a time where we're not just Christians on Sundays. Or we're not just Christians when they sing that song. Gosh, how weary and hard it must be to act like a Christian one day a week. How hard it must be to put on the show, to lift that hand in the air during worship, because if I don't, somebody might ask. Right? You, you guys move closer to the front. Everybody's watching y'all worship now. Well, they didn't lift their hands. Right? Some of us are waiting for that perfect spot in the song. Right? All right, I'm done. How hard it must be. Let me put on my church face. Let me, let me put on my Christianity. Let me, let me put on my Sunday, right? There has to come a time where we fear God in everyday life. In everyday life. You know, we sang that song that we're going to, we're going to sing, Hallelujah, until he comes again. Church, the Bible tells us that as we get closer to the end of time, if it it were not for the grace of God, that even the elect would be deceived. Do not be shocked that there is a squeeze happening with your faith right now. Do not be shocked that you may see people fall away or step away. Because the shaking is happening. The shaking is happening. And I know that that we want to talk about the love of God. We want to talk about the grace of God. We want to talk about the goodness of God and know how good He is. (laughs) But I think it was this guy named Jesus that said, Don't fear man who can just destroy your body, but fear God who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Man, that's an uncomfortable conversation, but Jesus had it. Fear God a life of true devotion a life that loves god it's seen in what we do it's it's, it's seen you may not know it but it's it, it is seen in how you interact with your spouse it's seen in how you treat your children we see it in how we do our jobs how we talk about people how we feel toward other people our kids need to see what it means to be worshipers Not just during Sunday, sing along. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. We've got a really good praise and worship team. Talented, gifted. They know how to drive the music, the crescendos, and the ups and the downs, right? We know what music does to us. We know that music can manipulate feelings. We've even got lights for your pleasure. But what do you do when the music fades and all is stripped away and we simply come? What do we do when the song service ends? What do, we say, what do we do when we say the last amen on Sunday morning? Our children should see worshipers. Worshipers. They should know the words to songs because they've heard us sing them. So we have to be careful what songs we're singing. (laughs) Our kids should see, our, our spouses, our neighbors should see what it looks like to be living sacrifices. What it looks like to honor God in everyday life. Our kids need to see that church is important because we make it important. That we don't send our kids to church. We take them to church. We can't stand back. Should I? Okay. We uh, (laughs) we can't stand back in awe and wonder of why our kids lose interest in the things of God when we have no interest in it ourselves. If our kids don't see us loving Jesus, why would we expect them to do so? If they don't see us honoring God's word by reading it, why would we expect that they're going to do the same thing? I always saw my dad and mom reading the Bible, always. And now everything's on a tablet, so people don't know what you're reading. That's why I normally, when I read my Bible, I read from a Bible. I'm not on my phone. I mean, I only do that like if I'm out someplace and I'm like carrying my family Bible around with me. You know, I, even when I do devotions on the Bible app, I read from my Bible and click it off on my app. I want my kids to see me reading the Bible. You know, it's easy to get on a plane, get your tablet out, and love on Jesus. Then you get your Bible out. And people are like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to be religious. If you read from a tablet, you're not going to hell, and neither are your children. All right, if you want to read from a tablet, go ahead. I've got no problem with that. It's it's you know. But a lot of people don't. Some of you like books in your hands, don't you? You like you like books in your hands. What I'm saying is, is that if we don't honor God with our lives, if we don't show our kids that God is important to us, why would we expect that God would be important to them? It is our responsibility to pray with them and to read the Bible with them and to put Jesus in front of them. And I know we don't always succeed at that. We don't always succeed at that at home. When you've got a, two kids playing baseball and two kids playing basketball and one kid playing soccer and we're stupid for doing it, Sometimes you get home, and the last thing you want to do is spend more time reading. Just get in the shower, get in the tub, and go to bed. Shut up. (laughs) That's not honoring God in front of your children. I just need you to know that. So I know, I mean, you miss those times. I understand. I'm I'm not trying to condemn anyone. And so, but that's why today's a good day to start, right? Today's the good day. So we choose to honor God. Number three, we choose to obey God. Let me read verse 23 again, and we'll read verse 24. Now, therefore, put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you. This is the command. And incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And in verse 24, and the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. They made a choice. They made a choice. They made a life-altering, eternal choice. We will obey God. So the challenge was not just to serve God, but to serve God in sincerity or faithfulness and truth. Sincerity and truth means we leave no rooms that we reserve for ourselves or that we keep hidden from God. He is invited into every part of our heart. We're not fake. We're not putting on. We're not a show. We are sincere. We are loyal And faithful to the one who has been faithful to us. What does that mean? That means that we put away our idols. We put away the strange gods was the command. Put away the strange gods that they had known in Egypt. And when mixing with the nations that were around them. If we are fully going to obey God. We have to remove the idols from our hearts. Jesus told them. I mean Joshua. Which actually in Hebrew is. Yeshua. Joshua told them, if you want to stick with the gods of Egypt and the Canaanites, that's your choice. He gave them that choice here, same way as Moses did. I set before you life and death. Choose life. Blessing, cursing, life, death. Choose life. As if they needed to know that. Sometimes we do. He said, if you want to serve the God, if you want to go back to the gods of Egypt that you were comfortable with, go right ahead. If you want to mix with the gods of the Canaanites that have already been defeated by the God of Israel, go ahead. That's your choice. Some people will always prefer the gods of this world over the true one. Some of us will. Some will always choose to go and satisfy themselves with what the world has to offer. We can call that religious. We can call that guilt. We can call that you know you're holding me back. All those kind of things. That I mean. We can say God you know, doesn't want us to have fun or whatever, and that's just because we don't know Him. But the fact is, if we go to those, it will lead to the destruction of our lives and our homes. Our spouses and our children need to see us live lives where Jesus is first, where obedience to His will is top priority. And I just want to remind a lot of the grandmas in here who have more influence over your kids and over your grandchildren than you think. Continue to live that life of faith. Continue to be that voice that speaks over your kids and loves on them and shows them the goodness of God. We have to show our kids, our family, our neighbors, our friends that obedience to God's will is my top priority. If we have made time for everything but God in our lives, then it will affect our homes. If we have time for everything else, but we don't make time for Him, it's going to not only affect us, but it will affect our homes. There's a war going on. There's a fight for our kids. This world is falling apart. It's becoming more and more perverse and dark every day. We need people who choose to obey God. Number four, choose to make it personal. Choose to make it personal. Joshua said, you can choose whatever God you want. Choose, this, choose ye this day whom you will serve. You choose. But as for me, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Make it personal. Joshua started with his own heart. You know, some of us are waiting for our spouse to get on fire for God. Some of us like to blame our spouse for why things are in chaos. Parents, if you don't know this, if you have kids, you have chaos. There's not much you can do about that. It's chaos. And it doesn't really change much when they're in their 40s. You have chaos. Y'all have been to family reunions. It's chaos. Y'all have been to a restaurant. Whose kids are those? You ever, done, you ever done that over your own kids? I wish somebody would shut these kids up. They're your kids. Lots of times we rely on children's church to train our kids in what it means to follow Jesus. But Joshua said it starts with me. If my home needs impacted by the love of God, then let it start with me. Let it start with my repentance. Let it start with me giving grace. Let it start with my act of obedience. Let it start with my act of service or my act of worship. If I'm not loving my wife the way the Word commands me, or if you're not loving your husband the way the Word commands you, then today is a good day to start. I'll never forget Elder Canfield. He taught uh, marriage and family at World Harvest Bible College. And he was talking about having a, 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 a couple's, he was having counseling with a, with a married couple. And he said that one of them, I think the wife said, I'm just, not, I'm just not in love with my husband anymore. And the first thing he said to her was, well, today's a good day to start. Today's a good day to start. Today is a good day to make the choice to love your spouse, to love your kids, to walk holy before them, to live godly lives before them. If I'm not taking the initiative to talk to my kids about Jesus or to pray over them and to pray for them then today is a good day to start. This is not about condemnation or guilt if we haven't done what maybe we thought we should do but today's a good day to start. It's never too late to make the impact that we need to make on the lives of those whom God has placed in front of us. It's never too late. It's never too late to start living a life of integrity and honor and faith in front of your coworkers who maybe up to this point, you have injured your witness. (laughs) But now's a good time to start. Being the light that God has called you to be. I will make the choice. I will make the choice for me and the spiritual life of my family. And now here's the thing. Maybe your spouse is not ready or has not made the choice. Maybe your children are wayward and don't want to make the choice. But the responsibility starts with me. As for me, as for me, I'm going to love my wife the way God commanded me to love her. I'm going to love my kids the way God commanded me to love them. I'm going to live godly and righteous by his grace and by his mercy in front of my family. And I'll let God take care of the rest. I'll let God take care of the rest because I know I can't save my family. Only Jesus can. We're not just living for ourselves, but for the lives of others. Our act of love, our act of grace, our act of worship, our act of obedience always impacts others. But everyone must make their own personal decision. When it comes down to it, we can affect the spiritual atmosphere of our home with how we follow Jesus. But each person in that home has to make their own choice. But I will not be derelict in my duty. We are called to plant, to pray, and live a life that honors God. And He will give the increase. As we do that, we are impacting our families in an eternal way. And as I said a minute ago, I want to continually remind you, it's never too late to start. It's never too late to love and to care and to pray. We can all look back over our lives and say, gosh, I failed here. And I should have done a better job raising my kids, or I should have done a better job impacting them, or I should have, done, I should have prayed for them more. Or... The enemy is always going to remind you of what you did not do. He's always going to remind you of what you should have done and how you could have made a better impact and how you could have done things differently. If there's anybody in here that has lived their life perfectly and has no regrets, then, hi, Jesus. I mean, my kids are only 10 and 7, and I can look back over their lives and say, Man, I wish I would have done it this way, or I wish I wouldn't have reacted this way, or I wish I wouldn't have said it that way, or I wish I would have put more emphasis on this, or whatever. We can all look at our lives and say, I wish I would have done better, and the devil will always remind you of that. But by the grace of God, here we are. On Mother's Day, we celebrate moms and an opportunity to make an impact in the lives of our families. So what are we going to do today? I can't do anything about yesterday, but I can do something about today. Make the choice to serve the Lord and make it today. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. I feel, felt led this morning during worship to, to actually pray over our kids. Um, I sent a text to uh, Crystal and asked if that would be possible. So, Brian, could you, I'm sorry, could you run over and tell them to bring the kids over? I also want to pray for our young people um, So if we can grab fuel and and bring them back up here in just a moment. Greg, do you think it's possible to sing the blessing? Can we do that? Today, I I, want us, as we honor moms and as we honor women of faith, I want to make this a, a day that we commit our heart to make the choice. To make the choice. The personal choice that says, as for me, as for me. As for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. I can't I can't make I can't make my I can't make my wife love Jesus, but I can live a life of grace and love in my home. I can't make my children follow God, but I can speak words of life over them. I can speak blessing over their lives. I can speak hope into their hearts. That is the power of what God has given us as people of faith. Never take lightly grandmas and grandpas, uncles and aunts, cousins, the power of loving your family, the power of living a godly, dedicated life to Jesus Christ. And so today, as we dedicate our hearts to family, I want us to pray over our kids and pray over our homes. If I would just bow your heads for just a moment as, as everybody's getting prepared. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are so grateful to be here today, so grateful that all of us are here because we have moms. Some of us no longer have our mothers with us and our hearts are heavy today and I ask that you would bring comfort to those who miss their mothers. Some of us, our moms, are still with us and they're struggling, they're fighting, and Lord, we ask that That you would bring peace to every home, to every heart. That love and grace would be extended. I pray, oh God, for every single mom in this room that is fighting to keep their head above water. God, bless them and help them be the women of God that you've called them to be. I pray for every young couple that is just getting started. Lord, you would encourage them and strengthen their love and strengthen their resolve. I pray for every marriage here this morning, God, that's maybe on the edge. Would you heal and restore? Would you renew? Would you save husbands and save wives? God, would you put our homes back together? And I ask, Lord, for every broken heart here today, that they would find grace and peace in you. As we keep our head bowed and our eyes closed and we hear the kids coming over, up, I just want to ask you for just a moment, are you right with God today? you need to make things right with today. Dads and moms, there's no greater gift you can give to your kids than a life lived for Jesus. So I'm asking you to consider where you stand with God today. Will you consider your eternity? Will you consider the hope of salvation today? I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but We want to give you an opportunity to make things right with God if you can. If you're in this building today and you need hope, you need healing, you need strength, we want to pray with you. In Jesus' name.